Ali Awi, thank you again for the opportunity. A new day, your breath, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, the opportunity to share, to be a conduit for your truth, Father. To be a conduit, you bless me so that I can bless others. You honor me, Father. I honor you because you are Ali Awi, maker of all things made. And your love, Father God. So, good morning, afternoon, wherever you may be, doesn't matter. Good day. It's a day that the Lord has made. And um, I've shared with you before of uh, my enjoyment the Lord provides for me for confirming spirit and things that are spoken that I've been studying and and uh, when mentors share and give the same message back it's um, and you have to understand that when that takes place it's not delighting in the fact of uh, yeah, yeah, see, I told you I'm right and you're wrong. It's got nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is a confirming spirit that comes through the Lord that I haven't conference called any of these individuals and yet we are sharing the same thing. We are sharing the same as verbiage might be a little different. The way we say it might be different. Uh, as I've shared with you before, I'm not so eloquent of speech but the Lord has chosen me to do this very thing. And that blank contract that I signed with him, and understand this too, it's not a contract as we try to mentally put our face to it or our thought to it and try to get a picture of this. This is not, um, this is not the contract that you see of man or mammon so frequently that you sign in the party, the first part, the party, the second part, and so forth and so on, and thus and thus, and this is said and that's it. The paperwork that God had me to sign was simply blank. Just putting my name to it and giving him my, my confirming signature saying that, yes, Lord, I will do this. And I, I told him, but it, this was just a, a figurative issue. Because with God, he is God. He is our Lord. And he is, he is not, there's not a requirement that we have a contract with him and that we sign papers. He's promised us things. He's brought us into the life that we're in and he's called us to do what he has and that's to share his word, share his truth, to be about his business. And I said, I will. And that's what I will do. I did, the, we're talking about the Lord God Almighty, Abba Yahweh, Heavenly Father, maker of all things made. How anyone puts the process of their thought into trying to figure out and see that God signs a contract, he doesn't... It's not required. There's no contract requirement. This is God we're talking about. This is Abba Yahweh. And how are you going to decide that you have any kind of authority, then you're going to hold him to a contract? Not, not doable. And you shouldn't have the arrogance to try to do that. Now, when Caleb went to Joshua, he wasn't arrogant. He was bold. He was truthful and he was righteous. And that God had promised that he could be able to inhabit the land of Hebron. But when those negative spies came back and they kind of disrupted all of that, and Caleb just came forward and said, talk to God for me, remind him, give me your blessing to do this, that I want to go do that thing that he promised that I could do. And that he promised me 
because God did. He promised the people and they came in and they obeyed his precepts and kept his words and, and all. And, and Joshua and Caleb did that thing. Caleb just reminded him, said, hey, I want what God told me I could have. God had already promised it to him. It wasn't any kind of a, there was no arrogance in what Caleb did. <coughs> Pardon me. And when he went back in at the age of 85, I'd like to remind folks of that. And actually, that when I do that, it's, it's a reminder for me. Um, at 85, Caleb went in there and, and with his men, and they beat up the giants and kicked them out of Hebron, and they settled in the land that God had promised them. And they did it with righteous authority, and they did it with God as he promised they would do. And I'm sharing that because we have to remember that when God is with us and we are walking this path and this plane of existence, this path of life, that we are, we have a privilege and, and many of us, and honestly, I, I will stray from that thought a little bit, but we have to remember and keep in mind that we have, are privileged in this and that we have been called by God. And you have to remember always too that God the, the tomorrow is not promised. If we take a new day and we enter a new day, that's with the breath of God. So every morning, every day needs to start with a sacrificial time for him, prayer to him, get up and start moving and going through your day. But he must come first and work on remembering that he comes first. But keep in mind, too, that it is both a privilege and a somewhat hazardous or perilous walk that we are in because we are in such a broken plane of existence because of various malformities and, and bad choices and things that are made here. Because remember, and don't forget this, God gave us a free will choice. We can choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and should be centered in our lives or choose not to and do what we think we should be doing. And we think that we're in charge of everything and we have control. And there's... Um, there's this deception that the devil brings in and allowing us to believe that we have control over things and that all these things that are happening for us are because we're doing it. Doesn't work that way. And we can't get caught up in what we believe and see others in doing. And... Um, we have, I have, going to go back into, I'm going to go into Psalms. And we have to remember a number of things. And there's a number of these here. I didn't realize at first why, but then looking at these highlights that I have here, this is exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit has put me here for a reason. As that we must remember to always, always ask for guidance. And this is in Psalm 25, verse 12 and 13. What man is he that feareth the Lord? 
Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose, and his soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Fearing God is, we're talking about an auspicious fear, a deserved reverence because he is our heavenly father and he is the maker of all things made. And if we come to him in boldness, uprightness, righteousness, he will guide us and teach us. And this is what we need to know and understand is that God will do that. And if we are righteous we're not going to come to his throne of grace and we're not going to come to his gates without thanksgiving and praise and worship for God and we're not going to come in arrogance and demanding that's not auspicious reverence and fear of the Lord God Almighty that's just pure, selfish, self-centered arrogance. There is a very big difference. You, you don't present yourself to God that way. You're not going to get very far. And there are individuals that will do that. Um, I shared with you already that there's some individuals that I've been observing and they're, uh, they made a very big place for themselves in televangelism became very wealthy and because they had coerced congregations lied, deceived and taught falsely and gave false doctrines and then they became so self-centered and arrogant that they could demand God. And basically it was like a snap of a finger. They're going to call God. Anyone that speaks negatively against me and my, <laughs> me and my mission, I will call down a curse from heaven. Well, first of all, they really got out of line because it's not their mission. And it wasn't their delivery. They had... They had taken it upon themselves to believe that, and that God does not is just not at the snap of a finger for their whim to call him down to do negative and bad things. And you don't snap your fingers and call God down. This is this is a this is a fallacy that that there are religions, and when Jesus spoke against this because they tend to place God into this little ornate box and they let him out when they want to have some big whoop-de-doo and they make a production that, oh, God's here now, and they use him as a showpiece. And then when they're all done, then it's time to put God back in his little card box and sit him up on the shelf. And everybody can, everybody comes into their their sanctuary and they look up and they see this little box and they start believing that oh god's in god's in the box god's in the box can't wait to sunday and the and the preacher takes god out of the box well it doesn't work that way because as we are told and jesus told us is that and he told the samaritan woman that god is spirit and there, will, there is coming a time, and this is when she didn't understand because Jesus didn't come right out and say that I'm going to go get crucified and that's going to open the door for anyone that believes in me that I came to do this will have access to the Father, which is exactly what that was all about. Is that we have access to the Father because of Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ, we go, and what he was teaching us when he was talking about, he was the door. He is the entrance so that we can come, the sheep can come in and go, that we can come through him to the Father. 
And we do no longer have to have the high priest that can, is the only one that can go into the Holy of Holies and talk to God and then come out and say whatever he decides he's going to tell the people. Is he going to tell people truth or tell them something that he is going to be rewarded for? And this is what many of these This is what many of these false teachers are doing and they come out and they get on and they make a big deal and they make a lot of money because there's a lot of people, believe it or not, still um, even talking about, as I have spoken of the apostasy with walking away and people turning their backs and much of what they have indeed done. But there are many people that get caught up in this because they're looking, they're searching, they're wanting the desire and these false teachers that have deceived them as a means of making money. And I, I shared with you that I, I had that firsthand and the Holy Spirit took me right out of that place. I'm, I'm glad he did. But it saddened me also too, and I, I pray about it, but I went to that place because I was missing not being able to fellowship. And this was back in the time when all that deception and all that was going on and everybody had a mass and they had all the churches closed down, which I've shared with you that many are still closed. Um, but going there and finding and hearing and seeing that that they were, they were working on a way of making money, that they were using God and the scripture is a way to make money. Both wearing very expensive, the father and son were both wearing very expensive hand-tailored suits, very expensive. A lot of jewelry and a lot of things going on that were, um, it was contrary to the word of God. And much of what they taught, both of them, one Sunday and then I went the next Sunday and, and uh, when I gone the second time, that's when I talked to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had that little situation, and um, kind of that flick on the back there. Are you listening now? Do you hear me now? Yes, I do hear you now, Father. Thank you. Um, but you have to remember this: is that all of these individuals are seeking that people come to them for answers. There is only one place to go for an answer. And as Jesus told the Samaritan woman that there will come a time, there will be a time where you can go to the Father and you won't have to go to a temple because remember that the Samaritans were not allowed to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship because during the big festivals and all this, that's where they were all supposed to go. Um, and they weren't allowed to go there because the Jewish folks were at odds with their cousins. And that's, that's what they were. They were related, but they were at odds with one another and they couldn't go to the temple and worship there. And of course, the Samaritans were kind of uh, at enmity and they were not very kind to any of the Jewish folks that they ran into. So this was a, a very tumultuous time. They had gone back and forth. But Jesus told her, he said, there will come a time where you won't have to go there. You will be able to worship God anywhere. And she wanted to be assured of that. And he promised her that thing. And that was when Jesus was crucified. You remember what happened, if you remember the story, or perhaps you don't, so I'm going to share this with you, is that when Jesus was crucified, um, in all the temples, they had these large uh, tapestries, curtains, as you will, or veils, if you will, that separated. Oh, Holy Spirit just gave me a, <laughs> just gave me something else I'm going to share with you here in a minute. But these tapestries separated the Holy of Holies from the congregation. The only one allowed to go into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And people came and they gave the sacrifice, they gave the coin, they gave all this, and, 
and the high priest would go in and sacrifice the critters that they bought and, and whatever, and then come out and deliver to them the word. And quite honestly, there were some, and truthfully, that were not doing appropriately, and then there were others that were following what God was directing them to do and how they were taught to do this, and they were trying to be purposeful and right in what they did. But there were many that were not. And they were doing it to make money. And this is what the issue that Jesus had. But as he shared with her, and when Jesus was crucified, the tapestries from top to bottom were torn. They were split and torn and they, they fell away. Which meant that the Holy of Holies, God's residing place, was no longer separated from man was no longer required to have a high priest to go there, that we had access to Lord God Almighty, Abba Yahweh, maker of all things made, Heavenly Father, that we had access to him through Jesus Christ, through Jesus dying on the cross for us and seeing me from a distance that he did and came for me, and while he was yet hanging on the cross, looked down and saw us standing in the crowd with the Pharisees and looked down and saw me and saw us. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then was access given directly to the Lord God Almighty. And we can experience that daily. It requires us to practice. And I've shared this with you before. We need to practice his presence. And this is part of my study that's coming up for my, um, my class that's coming on. I've shared with you. And it's called Practicing His Presence. And I've shared with you that uh, Frank Laubach, I, I like in his journaling that he shared in the book. And he calls it the hearness of God. His hearness. And I've shared with you that very often God just comes and puts his arms around me and gives me that fatherly squeeze and I, I know, but I know that he's here anyway. And I've shared this before with you and, and uh, pastor shared on Sunday in his sharing of his scriptures and, and, and his teaching. That we are invited, we are, when, when I share with you, it's because I know God. I know Jesus. I know the Holy Spirit. I just don't know about them. Now see, you have to understand that there is a, there is a profound difference when you read about something and you have others talking to you about it, and this is part of what I, the reason I do what I do, is my invitation to you is to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And all you have to do, it just takes a minute, two minutes, three minutes tops, or you can make it as long as you want. If you want to stay there and, and weep and talk with him and fellowship, however, but it only takes a minute of your time. Take a minute of that time. Remember, I've shared this with you before, is that we have a commodity here that no one wants to give up. No one wants to surrender. It's more precious to people than, than all the oil and resources in the world, all the gems and the precious metals. They don't even want to share it with their family. They don't want to share it with their friends. They don't want to share it with their loved ones. And they surely don't want to give up their time 
that precious commodity is time. They don't want to give it up for anyone else because it's their time. And they really, really, <laughs> pardon me, <coughs> pardon me. They have a tendency to be selfish with it, very selfish. They don't want to relinquish any time for any anything at all. And in giving up their time, they find that things become shortened for them. Oh man, I gave up five minutes. I get, now I got to make it up, but you don't. <clears throat> That's the whole thing. You don't have to make it up because if you go, I've shared this with you before, is that I have witnessed, I have personally witnessed God's ability to bend time. What does that mean? He makes it work. <clears throat> Pardon me. Mm, the devil's really coming in, didn't want me to talk about this. But God has that ability to make it work and put it in shape for us. If you take and sacrifice that precious commodity <coughs> for him. <coughs> Pardon me. And you just have to remember And here's the other thing that the Spirit is sharing here with me. <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> the devil's really trying to make it hard to share this with you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And this is in 25, Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity, uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. David writes this, and remember that in Isaiah we find also, uh, I believe it's in 41.10, or 40.10, 41.10, when Isaiah they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. The breath of God will lift you and hold you. And you will soar on those wings. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. You walk and you just hold his hand. And he will take you through and guide you and strengthen you. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? None, no one, and nothing. We're going to flip over. We're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to the book of Romans. And we find this. I've shared this with you before. I'm going to share it with you again. We're going to go to our adoption letter, or what I have called the adoption letter. And this is very important, and this is absolutely the love of God. And this is in our adoption letter, Romans 8, and we're going to go to uh, verse 38 and 39. And I've shared this with you before. And this is talking about whom shall you fear? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus, having come and been crucified, became that doorway. 
And as he shared with that woman at the well, <clears throat> pardon me, the one thing that he shared with her is that there comes a time, there is coming a time, he didn't tell her exactly what was going to happen because it wasn't his time to do so yet. And he knew that. So he didn't share it with her in totality, but he shared it to her that there's coming a time that she nor her brethren will be required to go to the temple in Jerusalem. It will no longer be a requirement and that they can worship God wherever, they can pray to God wherever and talk. As long as they come in truth and spirit to God and bring that truth and worship him in truth, God will honor that and then church becomes wherever they might be. Truth. There's that word again. It always seems to come up in some way, shape, or form. And I'm just going to remind you again. And I've actually been told that because I hold on to that and I hold on to the precepts and the word of God, that that is... Um, that's annoying. Well, here's the other thing. And here's the truth. I don't care. You might call it that. And, and in my study and reading here, it, says, it reminds me not to worry about what other people think of you. They might think it annoying. or The validation doesn't come from them. It doesn't come from you. And it doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from mammon. It doesn't come from anything on this plane of existence. If I am about my father's business and doing what I am asked to do by my father, following his precepts and his commandments. And remember that I've shared this with you before is that you can't look at God as jumping up off his throne and that so many people see him as <clears throat> being this hard, stern face, long white hair, long beard, and, and he sits upon the throne and, and he becomes so large and powerful and he roars out everything at you. Now, believe me, he can. But most often, God is that gentle, soft voice. And as he shared with Elijah on the face of Mount Hebron, he shared with him, go back in the cave, because I'm not going to deal with this. And when he went back in the cave, <clears throat> that still, small voice came to the prophet. That is what God desires, to be able to talk to us like our Heavenly Father and not like the commandant of the army. And he doesn't do that. Even when, he, when I share with you about commands from God, they're more, it's more of an inclination of invitation, inviting you to come and make the choice to follow his precepts and the commands that he gives. But it's not like some military drill instructor or NCOIC that's going to have his hands on his hips and barking out orders to you and roaring the facts to your face. God doesn't deliver that way. God doesn't act that way. God acts in love. Love is that he talks to you in a gentle voice, and a gentle spirit. And my earthly father did that. I mean, there were times when he was angry and he knew you that you were going to get a whipping because of what you did. Didn't like it, but it was coming. But he's, when he talked and he, and he was instructing and he was issuing commandments, you could call them. But I mean, there were rules of living under the roof that he provided, eating the food that he was providing in, in this workplace and on this plane of existence that we we're in, that he was doing it and paying the electric bill and the gas bill and all the things that he was doing and still tithing to the church and doing that thing and taking us to where we should be, teaching us the way that we should walk. He was following the commandments of God Almighty and following his precepts and doing that thing. God honored that. My earthly mother and father, very, I miss them. They're with God. I miss them and I'm jealous. They're walking with some loved ones and that I, I miss my eldest brother, my second oldest brother, and and some 
dear Terry. I know that they've met and they're communing and they're visiting. So yeah, I'm I'm jealous of that, but not in an unrighteous way. I look forward to getting there because I know where my home is. And here's the thing that I want to share with you too. We just have to trust in God. We need to trust him and we need to trust him wholeheartedly, meaning that we just put our complete trust in him because he's not going to let us down. And here's some scripture that is shared from the prophet and Isaiah. And this is powerful right here. Isaiah 30 and 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Wait on the Lord's deliverance. Wait on the Lord and don't be be corrupted by the white noise and think that you have to run out and do all these things that you wait on the Lord and understand this, that he is our good, good father and he already knows. He can see and know future things. He can see around the bends in the road. We cannot. What he has given us is he has blessed us with the ability of forethought and pre-planning and I shared that with you, but we have a tendency to really mess that up because we get so many things put in our day planner. We get so many things crammed in there that we become so caught up that that precious commodity that we worship so much, that time thing, we don't want to give any away to our family, our loved ones, our friends. We won't even give any up to the church. I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. How many times, how often, Almost went into that. How many times or how often do you hear somebody say, I just don't have time? And I mean, I even have, I, I have, I'm dependent on, on others for transportation at this juncture, unfortunately. And I usually try to take care of myself. But sometimes they absolutely, and, and I've been left because they forgot. They got so caught up in the time thing that they got in a rush and they take off and they go to what they're going to do and forgot that I'm supposed to go with them. But they didn't have time to come down in that short detour and pick me up and take me with them. So I got forgotten because they got caught up in time. But there are those that are just that way. They get so caught up in time, then they get in a rush and then they start doing things. And there's an old adage many years ago that was uh, taken from this and it's actually very truthful. Haste makes waste. You get in a hurry, you forget to do things, you ignore things that should be done, ought to be done, should have been done, could have been done, but because you're in such a hurry, you ignore it or forget. And sometimes those things that are forgotten are other people. It's sad, but it's true. And in First Kings, we find in First Kings 8 and 23, there's a verse and it's shared, spoken, and it's true. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you. In heaven above or on earth below, you who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to get their knickers all twisted up about that word servants. Well, too bad, so sad. It's what we do. We serve the Lord. We serve other people. And we're not talking about being bound in a chain and dragging chains around and where so many try to make it into something that it's not. We are servants of the Lord. But remember what Jesus came to serve and not be served? He made himself as a servant. And Peter attempted to rebuke Jesus because Jesus got down on his knees, hands and knees and his feet. He, he removed his outer garment 
and he was wearing his ephod and he was going to wash their feet. And Peter attempted to rebuke him for his serving his disciples and said, oh no, you can't wash my feet. No, you'll never wash my feet. <clears throat> what did Jesus do to him? He rebuked him. He said, if I don't wash your feet and if I don't do this thing, you have no place with me. Basically telling Peter, I either do this or you can go on your way and you can go back to being a fisherman and you can, of course, knowing that Peter was going to relent because that's what Peter did. Peter oftentimes spoke in haste, which do we not do that many times? For, for individuals that are so worried about time and having time and not giving it, we certainly speak really fast without taking a moment of hesitation and saying a bullet prayer and in getting the guidance for what you should say <laughs> is very interesting that the Holy Spirit has me sharing at this time and then giving me this scripture. And we find this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-con. Control. against such things there is no law interesting that Paul would write this and he's writing this remember I shared with you that the church in Galatia was having some difficulties and the difficulties that they were having were that they had so quickly succumbed to false teachings and doctrine and having no one there to physically there constantly reminding them they they walked away and they allowed these false teachings to come in Brothers and sisters, we need to maintain the Lord as our center all the time. Jesus warned us that there would be those that would come to deceive. He told us this. He's warned us of this himself. Jesus, our Lord, who came to die for us, reminded us that we need to be cautious. Being deceived by no one. Paul reminds us of this. Peter reminds us. John reminds us, we're told throughout the Gospels and throughout the letters that these men wrote, reminding us to be cautious, to have be Christ-centered, focus on the Lord, focus on Jesus, focus on God, because there will be those that will come to deceive. And they will even claim to be what they are not for making money. Remember when Paul went into, um, oh goodness gracious, I had, I was just reading it the other day, but they went into the city and they had the, the city elders, or I guess you would call them, uh, what do you call them now, modern days, you had these, uh, this board who was all the trustees or whatever, they were all in charge of everything and then they, they decided how the parade should be called and what they should be called, and now they call them Xmas parades because they don't want anyone to be offended. So they took their authority way too far, and they decided to call it an Xmas parade, and no one is allowed to call it a Christmas parade anymore. And when you decorate your the windows for your business, whatever, you can't call it a Christmas per, uh, holiday. You have to call it an Xmas holiday. So they're trying to X out. Christ, which is what it's all about. And the reason that there is even the season celebrated anyway is because Christ came. 
Christ came, Christ was crucified, the angels came and testified to that, they evangelized the shepherds and shepherds came, the magi came, it all was about Christ. But now these city directors decide that you can't call it that anymore, that you don't call it what it's supposed to be called, you're gonna call it what we tell you to call it. And the same thing happened when the disciples went in and Paul went and they were delivering the word and the city board got all upset because they had actually prayed over someone who was teaching falsely <clears throat> and that person no longer had the ability to be able to make them money. So they got really upset and they stirred up the crowd and the people and they were going to run them out. They were actually going to stone Paul and his disciples, but they didn't get away with that. But remember this, that against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there is no law. There's nothing. If you're doing those things, <clears throat> you break no law of man or man, and there is no law against it because they are all righteous, they are all upright, and they're all done according to that righteousness. And remember, there is no reason to be afraid of these things because God and the Lord is with us in all things. And then we're gonna flip over to Psalm 23, which is very, very important. And this is very important. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And in doing so, he's not putting you in a position to shout and jeer at them. But you invite them to come sit and sup. And in doing so, you are opening the door for them to have an opportunity to repent and be saved. And we need to remember that I've shared with you as Paul wrote to his student is that we need to be in prayer for all of those these i've shared with you the the agitation that i i share with many because of being a veteran and seeing the things that i have been going through as an older veteran and the things that are promised and not getting done and accomplished and, and can't get accomplished because of governments But the thing of it is, brothers and sisters, that we still need to pray for them because they can still come to that turning point. They can still have a change of heart. They can repent for what they have done, what they have said and how they act. And they can have forgiveness. They can ask for forgiveness and turn around. It can be done. It can be done. So we pray for them we pray for all men, as Paul wrote. And just remember too, this is another scripture I want to share with you in Psalm 27, 4 through 8. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell 
in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, learn in his place, be with God, practice the presence of God, be in the hearness of God. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. That rock is Jesus, firm foundation. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies around about me. Therefore, I will, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. When we go to God's house, when we are in the sanctuary, sanctuary, we offer praise, thanksgiving first for even being able to get there and cross the parking lot now. We don't have courts we walk across off times now. It's parking lots. But as we're heading to that front door of the house of God that we offer praise. And when we enter that we have the worship time that we offer that up. These are sacrifices that God loves to have that we do that. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou shalt set us, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Look for him. He will be found. He promises. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Take the opportunity to take a moment. As I shared with you, it only takes a moment of time. And that precious commodity that no one seems to want to sacrifice. Time. Give God time. He took time for us. He came and died on the cross for us. That, the greatest gift. And he did that. He didn't take a look at his... God watch and say, you know, I don't have time for all this right now. I'm just going to, let's see, I flooded them over there. I sent fire and brimstone over in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to do something new and different this time. Didn't do that. Because he loved us so much. Jesus, the only begotten son of God, came and hung on that cross, looking down at us as we're standing around the Pharisees, jeering while we were yet at enmity with him and he died to cleanse our soul to redeem us to save us from what save us from ourselves brothers and sisters just choose say i believe i want to have faith in you god i want the holy spirit to guide my steps brothers and sisters you're in my prayers my going out my coming in Every day, be blessed.